In the doctor's words, it was nothing short of a miracle. And I was healed. I was in tears as I was receiving the word from God that definitely strengthened, encouraged, and comforted me. And in my heart, I heard him respond, I know. And those two words healed so much. Good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church Lincoln Square. Special welcome to those of you who are joining us from Lincoln Park. My name is Mikkel White. I am the community pastor here at Lincoln Square, and we're so glad that you're joining us. You might notice that our house lights are still up, that things seem a little bit different this morning. That is because we are in the middle of some upgrades for our space. You can see we have these amazing new TVs. Um, and next week, everything should be wrapped up. We'll have our, our typical lights back, and our space will be kind of more back to normal. Um, but we're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to do that, and we're thankful also for your flexibility in, in this. Um, you might also notice that our kids are with us this morning. We have a special, <laughs> some of them are waving, I love it, uh, special family service this morning. Um, I'm so thankful that in the body of Christ, our children are part of this family and that we get to celebrate with them, and they get to join us. And so I just want to say to everybody that if there's a few more distractions today, that actually it's a beautiful reminder of the goodness of God and our families. Um, also, shameless plug, if you have any interest in serving with Kids City, we could use your support there as well. This week, we are in the final message of our series, Naturally Supernatural, and I wanted to start by sharing a story um, that actually is from my husband, Nathan. Um, he tells the story of one of his last years on staff with University Christian Fellowship. It's a campus ministry that he worked out for a number of years in, while we were living in North Carolina. Every year they would have this annual leadership conference, leadership camp for students. And every day would end with a time of worship. And on the final night of this week-long camp, he had plans to duck in to worship and then leave early. You can imagine that after a week of, of ministry with college students, he was kind of tired, uh, to say the least. And so he was preparing to leave, literally getting up to walk out the door when one of his colleagues grabbed him by the hand and said, Nathan, don't leave tonight. I think you're supposed to pray for me. So he hung around. He had high respect for this woman. And, and she went and, and was praying, doing ministry with some other students. And she came back and filled him in a little bit more. She said, I want you to pray that I would be able to run again. For about a year, she had had this condition that made her anemic, and she wasn't able to do strenuous activity. And so she wanted to run again. So he began just by asking God, Lord, what do you want me to say to Jennifer? What do you want Jennifer to know? And he listened. He saw an image of a flower, he shared this image with her, and she said, okay, well, I mean, it's not super significant, but it is personally meaningful. And then he, he, he prayed, and he just asked. He put his hands on her feet and simply prayed that she'd be able to run again. They both remember his hands feeling cold at the time, which is atypical for him. And she told him later that as she walked back to her cabin that night, which required a steep climb uphill, she wasn't out of breath. The next day, all the students went home, the staff went home, 
And the following day, she texted him, guess who just ran five miles? The next day, she texted again, guess who just ran five miles with hills? She went to see her doctor, and they said, they did some blood tests. They said, it looked like she had had two blood transfusions since the last time she was there. She was able to run again. As Nathan was telling me about the story so I could prepare for this morning, he ended by saying, I remember that I just needed to know that God was still about miracles. I just needed to know that he was still willing and able to do this. This is a simple and true story of healing that took place several years ago in Jen's life. And I wonder, if you were to pray for healing this morning, what's the thing you would pray for? We're in our final week of our series, Naturally Supernatural, where we have been challenging one another to open ourselves up to the supernatural ways that God wants to work in and through our lives. The point isn't just to pursue God's acts of power for the sake of the power. The point is to pursue his presence, recognizing that at times his power is part of how we experience his presence and love. Let me say this again, because I don't want you to miss it. The point is not the power. The point is that we're pursuing his presence, and sometimes we experience his presence and love through his acts of power. For many of us, this part of our relationship with God is something that we've been missing out on. And so we don't even know that it's actually possible. And during this series, we're challenging one another to expand what we're calling our plausibility structure, which we've illustrated very creatively with a box. At the center of this box is our relationship with God, and it represents our assumptions about how God will actually work in our lives and in the world. And whether we recognize it or not, we tend to box God in to our understanding of what's plausible. We don't expect God to work beyond these boundaries. And for many of us, the thought that we might regularly experience the supernatural activity of God, it lies outside of this box. We don't expect it. So the challenge that we're putting before you today and in this series is to let God expand your plausibility structure. Open yourself up, not just to the possibility that you can experience the supernatural activity of God, but recognize that you're actually meant to. This is part of our God's intention for us. In our experience, we found that there are four components that can help us expand our plausibility structure. First is theology. We're going to talk about what the Bible actually says about supernatural activity of God in the world. And then testimonies. We're going to hear from people that we know and trust who have experienced these things and can help us to put it into words that understand, that we can understand. And then there's tactics practical instruction. How can we like wrap our arms around this, wrap our heads around this? What does this look like in real life? And finally, trust. We're going to overcome fear and doubt to believe that God wants to do this, that he does do this, and, and I think this is important, supernatural activity is outside of our control, and so sometimes we're afraid. I think part of trust is believing in the character of God and to recognize we actually want him to do these things. So, as we learn, hear, practice, and see God work in supernatural ways, our plausibility structure will grow. 
And as our structures expand as a community, then the naturally supernatural impact of our church will expand as well. And that's really good news. One of the naturally supernatural activities God has for us in this life is healing prayer. And again, the point isn't just to pursue God's acts of power and miraculous healing. The point is to pursue his presence, recognizing that at times his power is part of how we experience his presence and love. So this might sound like something that's kind of far-fetched. Some of us might be suspicious. And I want to share with you a story from one of our community pastors, Carrie Latticer. She's someone I personally know and trust. I've become pretty close to her over the past few months. And I just want to share what God did in her. It's pretty incredible. So let's watch this story. Several years ago, just before spring break and a much-anticipated family vacation, I started having debilitating pain in my stomach. The nurse and my family urged me to go see the doctor right away. And when I got to his office and told him where I was experiencing the pain, he sent me to the emergency room for an urgent CT scan. He told me to drive straight there and that he would call ahead so they knew I was coming. He thought I had appendicitis and said it was possible my appendix could burst if we didn't catch it and remove it in time. As soon as I got to the ER, they were ready for me and took me back to imaging for a CT scan. The whole situation felt highly intense and there was some urgency to figure out what was going on. While I was having the scan, my husband called some friends to let them know to try to arrange some help for our young kiddos and to ask for prayer. Two of our friends asked if they could come to the hospital to pray and help with the kids. After the scans, the doctor told me I had appendicitis and that they needed to prep me for surgery. I was nervous about having surgery. I still had a nursing baby, and I was also upset that this meant we would have to cancel our thought-out-from-Chicago winter vacation. In fact, that was probably the hardest part, definitely the part I was most whiny about. They put me in a room, started an IV, and were prepping me for surgery while they waited for an operating room to open up. While I was waiting, still in a great deal of pain, my two friends came back to sit with me and pray over me. As they prayed, I felt significant relief from the pain. It was odd, but I was grateful for the reprieve. The surgeon came in to do a pre-op consultation and tell me what to expect. When I told him I was no longer in pain and then suggested to him I didn't need the surgery anymore. He laughed and told me that appendicitis wasn't something you could heal from, that the only course of action was to remove my appendix. He also said he couldn't believe the patient sitting in front of him was the same person who had the inflamed appendix he had just seen on the scans. I told him I had no pain, and he told me he needed to go take a second look at my chart. When he came back in the room, he was stunned and said it was a miracle I wasn't doubled over in pain based on what he had just seen on the scans. My friends were still in the room, and we told him we prayed for and were believing for total healing. He told me there was really no chance I'd be walking out of that building with my appendix. His words, unless you really experience a miracle. He did agree to pause and observe me for a bit to see what would happen with my pain. After hours of being pain-free, he delayed my surgery to the next day and admitted me for observation overnight. The next morning, when I was still pain-free, he told me they would release me as healed if I could eat something and the pain didn't return. It was the best hospital food I had ever eaten, and after observation and no pain, I was discharged. We got to leave for family vacation the next day, and to this day, despite the CT scan confirming appendicitis, I still have my appendix. In the doctor's words, it was nothing short of a miracle, and I was healed.
it's sometimes hard to believe. Things like this that don't fit into our boxes for how the world works. But our journey of following Jesus invites us to expand what we believe is possible as we explore Jesus' life and ministry. For some of us, maybe we've prayed. We've prayed and asked for healing and we didn't receive it. And so maybe we feel skeptical. Maybe we feel some pain, some confusion about this, and that's understandable. We rationalize and we think that stories like this must just be coincidences. But I really love what William Temple had to say. He was an Anglican priest in the 1900s who said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. There's an invitation for each one of us today to be open to having our plausibility structures expand. So to begin, let's just, let's just look at some of what scripture says about this. Let's, let's look at some of this theology. In the beginning, we read that God saw all that was made, all that he had made, and it was very good. God created a world without sickness, without death, without brokenness, without injustice, where humans were meant to flourish. Men and women side by side as partners, stewarding the earth and having everything they needed. But then brokenness entered. Through humans' desire to control and own, death entered the world. And since that part of the story, God has been enacting a plan to redeem all of creation back to what was meant to be. Through Jesus and the kingdom, he came to establish God wants to redeem and restore all things back to God's original intentions. And then we jump to the end, right? So Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end, and we see that he promises that in the culmination of that redemption plan, there will be no sickness or death in the new heaven and new earth. Sickness is not part of God's design. He loves to heal Jesus came to restore what's broken in the world, and that includes our physical bodies. We see this in his compassion when he was on earth for those who were sick or disabled. A central part of Jesus' ministry on earth was healing. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Huge crowds of people gathered from all over to witness and experience Jesus' healing power. But Jesus was never just a healer. For him, the healings were signs of the new thing that God was doing through him. And every miracle was a demonstration of his kingship. God's kingdom, God's sovereign, saving rule was at last being unleashed upon Israel and the world through him. Jesus was never even just about doing things himself. I know, I'm sure, that many of us have experienced that phenomenon where we're like, man, it's just easier to do this myself. I'm not going to ask for help because I do it better than if I ask for help from someone else, right? Jesus for sure could have done this better if he just did it himself. Instead, he released his followers to carry his power into the world to do the things that he was doing. Luke, one of Jesus' disciples and friends, tells us that when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God 
and to heal the sick. By the end of Luke 9, he begins to explain this to his followers. Though they never understood it or believed it until afterwards, this was something so spectacular. Doing the things that Jesus did, it seemed impossible. It was outside of their plausibility structures. But already he was beginning to share his power and work with them. They needed to learn to do what he was doing, to trust God just like he trusted God. And after Jesus had died, risen and ascended into heaven, his followers began to do the very things that he had been doing. There's a story in the book of Acts where a couple of Jesus' apprentices, Peter and John, met a man who couldn't walk. And he had sat begging at a particular place in Jerusalem day after day. Thinking he was going to get some money from them, the man gave Peter and John his attention, and he ended up getting more than something worth a whole lot more than just money. So Peter looks at him and he says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Not only was this, life, this man's life changed forever, but a beautiful opportunity to point to Jesus came directly from it. See, a few verses later, P Peter makes it clear where the power to heal had come from. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man, whom you see and know, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. There was no hiding this miracle. Lots of people knew this guy. They had seen him every day. And now he's running and jumping and praising God. And what's amazing about this story is how much more God did than simply heal this man. Through his miracle, through this miracle, lots of people got to experience the love and presence of Jesus. And many people found their way back to him, found their way back to God because of him. And if that's the case, then praying for healing is really part of our mission as followers of Jesus. Now, I've heard lots of people say that like, they don't feel qualified to pray for healing because they can't pray well enough. They don't know the words to say, but prayer isn't a performance. It's not an incantation. We're, we're, if you're Harry Potter fans, it's not Wingardium Leviosa versus Wingardium Leviosa. Like, we, we don't have to get the inflection right. Okay, so this is more like a conversation where we're hanging out with God, and sometimes we say, hey, I have this request. Could you help me out? <laughs> I like to, Some people have talked about this like being a waiter, right? I'm not the chef. I'm talking to you. I ask, what do you want, right? If I'm praying for you, how can I pray for you? And then I take that request to God, and then sometimes I'm part of bringing that to you. Right? So I'm not the chef. I'm not making something. I'm not doing something spectacular. I'm merely relaying a request. That's all that healing prayer really is. We're trusting God to show up and do what only he can do. So what is our actual part in this? Author and missionary Heidi Baker puts it in beautiful simplicity. Our job is to love. It's God's job to heal. So if I pray for healing for someone, my goal is that they walk away feeling 
so loved by me and by God. That's, that's my job. That's what I can control. So practically speaking, how do we actually pray for healing for someone? There's a really simple model that I think is so helpful to wrap our heads around. It's called HEAL. So H is for how. We're going to start by asking the question, how can I pray for you? We don't assume to know the answer. So sometimes if someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got surgery coming up in a few weeks. I've got frequent migraines. Sometimes you might pray for someone who has an obvious physical disability. And you might think you know what they want. But let them tell you. Ask them, how can I pray for you? Let them tell you. E stands for explain. So explain what you're about to do. Give them a quick rundown, especially if this is something that's new for them. Um, A lot of times we might lay a hand on someone's shoulder. Or in the story of Nathan and Jen, he put his hands on her feet because she wanted to run. Right? So like, ask permission to put your hands on someone and let them know what you're going to do. Say, I'm just going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask God for healing. It's not me who has the power. It's God who has the power. And, and so you're just going to ask them. Just let them know what you're going to do. A is for ask. Stop for a moment and silently ask God what he wants you to know and say. Take your time. Pause and see if anything comes to mind. If you've been around for a couple of months, you've heard us talk about this prayer, Come Holy Spirit. This is a great time just to start. Come Holy Spirit, pause and listen. Have your heart oriented to the Lord to ask, what is it that he wants me to say? And you might say specifically this prayer, Father God, thank you that you love this person. Thank you that you desire to heal We pray that you would come and do that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Super simple. It's not like a a big thing. And you can paraphrase that to be what fits in your own voice. And then finally, L is for listen. Listen by asking questions for the person you're praying for. Say something like, did you feel anything? Did you sense God telling you anything? Sometimes God heals right there. And if this is a bigger thing, you might encourage them to go, to the doctor or a counselor or a therapist. And sometimes nothing happens. Nothing changes. Sometimes it comes later and you realize it later, and sometimes it doesn't. And so you just let them know that you're going to continue to pray for them because, again, our, our goal, our job, what we can control is that they walk away feeling loved and cared for. For many of us, the possibility that praying for healing won't work keeps us from asking at all. But there's a deeper question here. Will we continue to trust God even when he doesn't answer the way that we're hoping for? I mentioned earlier that one of Nathan's strong memories about his interaction with Jen was that he personally needed to believe that God was willing and able to heal. And the reason for that is because we were coming off of a particularly difficult year. Now, if you've been around for a while, if you hang around for a while, you'll probably hear me reference this year. Um, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in the video testimony that we had. And sometimes I'll share more detail than others, but for today, I think it's important for me to share a little bit more about what that, that year was like and what we experienced. In March of 2013, um, I had a miscarriage. And... I was surprised. I was shocked. 
uh, our first two pregnancies had gone very smoothly. We had two kids. Um, and so I was surprised. A few months later, I found out that I was pregnant again. And uh, so I went for blood work. I had blood work like every week. And there was no conclusive information. It was just like a, it wasn't bad news. It wasn't good news. It was an invitation to come back for more blood work. Uh, and we asked our small group to pray for us. We asked people around us to pray for us that uh, that baby would be safe, would grow, would thrive. And then when I was seven weeks along, we lost that baby again. And so that was surprising. I'd be lying to you if I stood up here and said that my emotions about healing prayer weren't complicated. I, I, I feel not necessarily skeptical, but I feel confusion. And sometimes I feel, if I'm really honest, a little bit jealous. Why does God choose to heal some people and not others? And I don't have the answers to that. I don't know why God does that. But what I do know, what I'm absolutely convinced of, is that his presence never left me. And it never left you either. And so if you're asking those questions this morning, if you're wondering why even are we going to keep asking, I believe that his presence and his love are always available to us. Sometimes we experience the, that presence and love through his works of power. And other times we experience it in our grief. But his encouragement to us is to keep asking, to keep pressing in, to grow in our hope and our trust in who God is and his character. And we know that in Matthew, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now that verse doesn't mean that our prayers and our requests will always be answered in the way that we're hoping. It doesn't mean that we'll get necessarily what we want. But I do believe that when we seek his presence, we will receive it every time. So keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and in fact, that's what we're going to do right now. Before we do, I'm going to take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And, and we're going to sing a few songs. We'll ask God to heal and do what only he can do. So if you've been here for the past few weeks, you've seen this um, prayer that we've prayed. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to read it together. God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So pray that with me. God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we come today with many different feelings about healing prayer. I suspect that we long to experience your presence and your love through those, those experiences of your power. Lord, would you expand our vision, expand our plausibility structures, help us to trust, to see, to believe that you can and will do this even now in our lives. Would you embolden our hearts, grow our courage to ask you, 
for these things. And Lord, we ask that you would release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We know that in the end, there will be no more sickness or death. We ask you to release that today. Father, we, we need you, and we long for your presence. Let us feel that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.